What's up, everyone? Welcome to Stick to Football. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Matt is out this weekend. He's enjoying Memorial Day weekend on a little vacation, but Mello is by my side. Mello, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. The one Miller brother that doesn't take vacations, just holding it down over here. Uh, you're not go. kidding. Uh, they call you Mr. Reliable. You're like Jerome Bettis at this point, but you're better than the 3.9 yards per carry or whatever it was that got him into the Hall of Fame. We're just, I'll give you at least four. Yeah, we're relying on you to carry the rock, and we are going to have a fun show today. It is summer, so we're going to get weird because not a whole lot's going on, but before we do that, we're going to talk about the Jets interview list. They've submitted, uh, asked permission for four different names across the NFL to interview for their vacant GM job. There's a pretty exciting 40-yard dash race being built up right now that will feature a lot of stars and some not stars in the NFL. We're going to answer a ton of your draft on draft questions, but Mello, what is the bizarre thing we are going to do on this show today? Well, it's the summertime, Connor, and for me, that's baseball. So we are going to draft yep. a baseball team based off NFL players, and I can't wait for it. You you had this idea, you came up with it, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we were talking today because me and Mello were you know, enjoying our Memorial Day weekend, and we're like, fuck it, let's have some fun. Let's just, and I didn't even do it like, oh, who played baseball before they played in the NFL? I was just like, let's just have some fun and put out the funniest or the best possible lineup. But before we get into all that... Uh, the Jets have submitted a list for four different guys, some surprises, some not at all. Joe Douglas, the considered front runner from Philadelphia, Champ Kelly from the Bears, George Payton, a guy that's denied them twice already from the Vikings, and Scott Fitterer from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Mello, any you know quick or instant reaction or first thoughts here as the Jets hope to finally uh, find this vacant or fill this vacant GM role? I think obviously, and you've spoke on this before, that Joe Douglas is the favorite for this position. And I think one of the reasons that you look at Joe Douglas and Champ Kelly is that they've worked with Gase before. And uh, he, Gase is a good coach. He's going to be offensive-minded there. Hopefully he can get things right with Sam Darnold. But he's also kind of a a different kind of personality. And I think these two having that rapport with him already puts them at the front of this position, at the front of this race, so to speak, because Adam Gates might be a little bit difficult to work with, and they already have that relationship with him. So I think that is one key takeaway that I would view from this list of four people. Well, that's a fantastic point. I, I do think when no matter who's making the hire, Chris Johnson obviously is considered leading it because both the coach and whoever the GM is will both report to him separately. But at the end of the day, he has come out and said that Adam Gase will have input. I think it's no secret Adam Gase had input that led to this job being open in the first place. And Joe Douglas is the front runner for this job. The Jets really do like him. I know the Eagles would love to keep him and probably will try to find a creative way to make sure that happens. I know money always helps, but at the end of the day, no matter how great the situation is, I do think if Joe Douglas is given the godfather offer, which would be a long length of term on the deal, which would give him more security than the head coach in place that he didn't hire, obviously money. And most importantly, roster control here, because Adam Gase has that right now. It's pretty obvious as the interim GM. That would have to be passed off to Joe Douglas. Mello, if you were Joe Douglas right now, you're sitting there with a roster that has won a Super Bowl before, a young franchise quarterback that's exciting and a pretty impressive 53, an area where you have full control of the draft and something that you've succeeded at, and you're making a lot of money and still on the Northeast. What would it take for you, if anything, 
to go from Philadelphia to taking this New York Jets job? That would be tough for me. And I, I don't move on well from things easily. Like, I would rather just stay put where I am. So for me, I don't know that I would leave that Eagles position. Like Everybody knows who's building this team and how they've done. And you really haven't seen Carson Wentz stay healthy and what he can really do with this this team. So for me, I don't know that I would really look to take any other position. I, I guess if you really want to lose that vice president role of player personnel and you want to be the full-time GM, New York would be a good landing spot for me, and I guess it would all come down for money. Honestly, like you could wow me away with dollar signs. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's going to cost a lot of money. I do think, or honestly what I've heard, and this isn't going to surprise anyone, the one factor more than anything else that is making this an intriguing job is Sam Darnold being there. I, I think that's important to know. A lot of people in the NFL believe in Sam Darnold. I mean, no one on the show believed in him more than you, Mello. At the end of the day, how much does that young potential, I'll still say potential because he's not there yet, franchise quarterback factor into all this? A lot of teams in the NFL do have their young quarterback right now, but Sam Darnold was my favorite coming out of that draft, even ahead of guys like Baker Mayfield. Uh, So I think that does play a huge role into it because you don't have to go find your quarterback uh, like we've seen other teams have to do. He's already there. He's in place. He's in-house. You don't have to go look for him. I think everybody is still you know, banking on the potential around Sam Darnold, and you get him some tools. You have Le'Veon Bell there now, uh, who's one of the best running backs in the league when he's played. So I think the Jets are looking up. You look at this draft that's coming up, you can start to surround these two with some more targets at receiver if you need to. Uh, maybe the offensive line's not doing too bad there. The defense obviously made some pr- improvements this year with Quentin Williams, your guy Jaikai Polite. You already have two great safeties there. So I think pairing that up with Sam Darnold is going to be an enticing offer for all four of these guys, I think. I think so, too. And I think at the end of the day, we've heard so much about Joe Douglas. So we'll put a bow on that until maybe the hire becomes official, if it does. But let's take a look at these other three briefly. You talked about Champ Kelly working with the Bears. And what I can gather of Champ Kelly so far, as some of these guys are co-directors or, you know, a player personnel, it seems like he's somebody with more experience on the pro side of things, which, you know, for our listeners that listen to the show, they know that is really the advanced scouting week to week of opponents, um, free agency, pro player scouting. It truly, who is in the NFL right now? That could factor into free agency, trades, all kinds of things like that. While Douglas is the guy that has more of the college background. Mello, for you, when it comes down to it with this, what do you think you look, if you even, if there is even an answer, what do you like more for a guy taking the GM job? Do you like the guy that's immersed in the college level and uses the draft as his foundation block? Or do you like the guy that has such a good mindset and, and experience with the guys that are already in the league? For me, I'm a college football homer, so I'm going to go to me that too. side every time. And I think teams have proven it throughout the entire NFL history, you win through the draft. Whatever you're going to do there, it comes from the college side. And if you can get a guy for four or five years and build your team around him, those are probably his prime years in the NFL for most positions. So for me, I'm going college guys all day. Yeah, me too. I think the scouting department is is where really the NFL is won and lost at this point. George Payton is an interesting name on this list because he's denied the Jets twice already in the past. Now, He's another one, a VP of player personnel, and he's actually got the assistant general manager title, so maybe the highest-ranking guy on this list. I find it fascinating that the Jets once again have asked to speak to him, and he's done an incredible job in Minnesota, one of the most underrated front offices in the you know across the NFL. 
what if there's anything, what do you think it would be this time that might be able to get him to say, hey, I at least want to listen to what they have to say? The persistence. I think this goes like every guy who's asked out a girl who's out of his league. <laughs> yes. if, maybe if I just keep asking enough, she'll eventually say yes out of pity or to just get me to shut up. So maybe that's what the Jets are going with here. The only thing I could think of, and the Vikings are they're a loaded roster, but maybe he is sitting there saying, maybe, I don't know if he's a believer in Kirk Cousins, maybe he's nervous that, you know, you look at how good the Bears and Packers got this offseason, and Minnesota, they got really good too, to their own right, they added a lot of players, but maybe it is time for him to hear them out, I, I'm not confident in that one, I know the Jets have liked him for, God, at least half a decade now, maybe even longer, so that seems like, like you said, Melo, maybe the reach, maybe the one where you're like, oh, fuck it, if she says no, she says no, then whatever. So uh, third time's a charm. Maybe after that, you're just kind of creepy. So uh, <laughs> let's not do that anymore, New York Jets. And the last one, Scott Fitterer from Seattle, a scouting department that has been uh, really highly touted for quite some time. Now, Ed Dodds is no longer there. He went to Indianapolis. And so now you look next in line, Trent Kirchner. And then Fitterer is the guy the Jets want to speak to. Another one of these guys that is a co-director player of personnel kind of guy, a college scouting background kind of guy so an interesting list here for the Jets and uh, we'll see how it plays out this week I do expect you know hopefully they have their guy at the end of this week moving on this is something you put in the rundown Melo and I'm really excited about it this 40 yard dash race that's on June 29th yeah I'm really looking forward to it too Ted Ginn revealed to our guy Adam Lefko that he would race anybody in the NFL for ten thousand dollars ten grand and <laughs> yeah and- I can't believe they're actually going to do it. I, we hear players talk about this shit all the time, and then it never happens. But Ted Ginn and a lot of other players, they signed up for it. They're going to. And he's got some pretty quick guys on here. Tariq Cohen, uh, Alvin Kamara, Robbie Anderson, Trey Waynes. Uh, I fr- Ing- Mark Ingram is on there, too. Uh Buddha Baker's on there. A lot of good guys. I, I wanted to see maybe some more of the real burners that we have in the NFL, maybe get like an Odell Beckham in there, but I'm just glad that we're going to do it. It's, it's on June 29th. It's going to be over the summer. Nothing going on with football. I, I'll watch a race all day. 40-yard dash, you want to watch them race. I don't know if they're going to go one at a time, if they're all just going to line up like they're running sprints, but I, I'm going to watch it for sure. Me too, and I, I would say the two favorites for me are Trey Waynes and Robbie Anderson. I think those guys are lightning fast now maybe they're not the household names that people are used to but i could tell you from watching robbie anderson i mean i've seen him leave corners in the fast corners in the dust by 10 to 12 yards at times wayne's is a true four three kind of player so i think he's the favorite here mark ingram i have no idea what he's doing getting involved in this confuses me (laughs) why do this like is this one of those things where and i'm gonna laugh if he runs the fastest i would bet a lot of my money uh that he does not i think Ted Ginn is the guy that said it on Lefko's show. It's almost like he feels disrespected at this point. If you had to take a favorite, Mello, who would you go with in this race? Uh, you said Robbie Anderson is one guy that you'd be watching. Trey Wayne's for me, too. I mean, the guy ran a 4-3-1 at the combine. Yeah, elite straight line speed. Not that long ago. So I think he has to be the favorite. He's got good stride, too, just watching him run. Uh, Tariq Cohen and Alvin Kamara are two guys that you see on the field on Sunday, and you're like, holy shit, these guys can really move. But as far as straight line speed, I actually I would not bet on those guys. If I'm betting my money on this, I'm going to go Trey Wayne's. I feel like this is going to bring back the the interest in like any obstacle course related activity. Like the Pro Bowl should keep doing more stuff like that. I, I know we'll see. You know, I, I mean, the Combine will never do it because the Combine is so stuffy. Maybe the Senior Bowl. We got to get 
Jim Nagy on the line and be like, listen, man, this yeah. is how you do it. You set up like maybe like put like some flames, light a hula hoop on fire and have teams throw through it. I don't know. Let's do some crazy shit. They should do something, though, like the strongest arm with the quarterbacks just watching them throw yeah. so we can actually compare that. We don't have to hear, you know, Pat Mahomes say he can throw the ball 100 yards or that Tyree Jackson has the third strongest arm in the NFL already. Let's just line it up. Do it at the Senior Bowl. See who can throw the ball the furthest. And then we'll actually have some numbers behind some of these guys. I'm here for it. All right, so we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we are going to make our baseball lineups from NFL players. We are back, and as promised, we are going to get really weird on this Memorial Day long weekend. We are going to make our baseball lineups out of NFL players. We're going to not get to, uh, we're not going to overthink this too much. We're going to do a pitcher, a closer, and then your your typical lineup plus a DH. Mello, who is on the hill for you to start the game? So. I think there are a lot of obvious positions here. With pitcher, you have to go quarterback. Yes, 100%. One of the most talented arms at quarterback, I still think, is Aaron Rodgers. And you see him throw the ball on Sundays. You see the Hail Mary. So for me, if I have to have a quarterback and I'm basing it off arm talent, I'm still going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I had the same line of thinking. My starter is Cam Newton. Pitchers nowadays are just gigantic. I mean, I need the guy out there that's 6'5", 250, rocket arm hopefully cam newton's healthy because he's got to take the hill for me right now and i kind of went the same line of thinking only next level with the closer i went with josh allen i need the guy now i'm josh allen is like the perfect closer in the baseball world where he's going to scare the shit out of you and probably walk the bases loaded and then strike (laughs) out the next three guys throwing 101 miles an hour like a raldis chapman style Uh, who do you have closing the game out for you in the tight situation I like that you went with the strong arm closer because that's what these guys are anymore. It's like who can throw 102 but maybe walk four people. That is Josh Allen. For me, I'm going with Tom Brady because if the game is on the line and I have to pick an NFL player at any position, not just quarterback, it's going to be Tom Brady for me. And I, I don't think that he will blow a single save in his entire career. I don't think so either. He'd be the most level-headed. He might be like the Tom Glavin of pitchers at that point where he's throwing like 87 up there, but just picking corners, picking his spots. You don't have to worry about the erratic meltdown from Tom Brady. Uh, I did not plan accordingly like that, going with Josh Allen. I just want guys that are throwing heaters. Catcher, I got a little fun with it. Guy that has not played an NFL game yet, but when you see that braces smile when you get up to the plate, you just got to laugh. I have to go with Quinton Williams here. I I always think of the Sandlot when I think of picking a catcher, (laughs) just somebody that's going to chat and distract the batter. And I feel like Quinton Williams is so nice where the batter might actually be confused and start laughing and just think about the conversation and get completely lost. So, Quinn and Williams at catcher for me, and if they ever remake the Sandlot, that's my pick for the catcher as well. <laughs> and he, I mean, he almost looks that young too, so I think it works. I'm, I'm very happy that you mentioned that movie because it's one of my favorites of all time. For catcher with me, I don't know why that there's this like I don't, view that you have to have a big catcher. Yes, <laughs> but Ca- I went the yes. same way <laughs> too. I went with somebody that's going to protect my pitchers, so I went with an offensive lineman. I went with Quentin Nelson uh, because <laughs> I think that if you you know, if Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers throws a little bit inside and somebody charges the mound, I'm going to want Quentin Nelson back there to go protect my guys. And I don't think he'd be too bad to have in the lineup. You know, he can block the ball because he can block everybody in the NFL. So for me, it's Quentin Nelson and his ability to move. 
Yeah, if you're going to charge the catcher and it's Quentin Nelson, you better bring back the Izzy Alcantara kick the catcher move and knock him down and then run to the <laughs> yeah. mound or else you're in trouble. You're going to need to hold on to that baseball bat if you have Quentin Nelson at catcher. Oh, goodness. All right, for first base, I went with a big guy as well here, Aaron Donald, but he's nimble. And some of the best first basemen in the league are guys that are big but sneaky athletic. I don't think there's anything sneaky athletic about Aaron Donald anymore. But if you put him in a baseball uniform, I feel like he'd feel the position well. That's your power hitter, of course. And he's someone that, for his size, has good flexibility to stretch the bag there. So I think Aaron Donald is not only holding down first base for me, but he's probably going to be my three hitter here, too. Yeah, I had the same line of thinking here, too. You need somebody big, and for me, I was somebody who I thought could catch the ball as well and then probably bring some power to the game. And for me... That's a tight end, and Gronk isn't available anymore since he retired, so I'm going with the next best tight end, and don't call me a homer because I know you guys love to do that, but I'm going with Travis Kelsey because he can do it. Uh, he's flexible enough. He has the range. He has the height, and he's going to bring some power to my batting lineup, so if I have to pick a first baseman based off NFL players, I'm going tight end, and I'm going the best one, Travis Kelsey. I also kind of like the chatty first baseman, like the chatty catcher. The chatty first baseman right. is always great, and Kelsey will just like, annoy the shit out of people. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera over there on first base, untucking people's shirts and doing all that shit with them. You know it, Travis Kelsey will. He's the best. So the the Tigers uh, played the Mets this weekend, and it's amazing how Miggy just like interacts with everybody in the crowd every time he goes over for a foul ball, everybody that comes to first base, every ump. It's unbelievable. Some guys just love to chat it up. So yeah, another guy I'm that miss him when he retires. <laughs> me too. Another guy that has been on the show and he is chatty. Alvin Kamara from second base. I kind of went with two athletic running backs from the middle of my infield here. Saquon Barkley at short. Alvin Kamara at second. It also feels like there's kind of a height restriction at those positions. Like some people feel like Manny Machado is too tall to play shortstop anymore. So I need a guy that's kind of not tiny, but short and nimble. I mean, Kamara is a true like 5'10", 215 kind of guy. Great speed at the second base position. I feel like he'd be a typical slap hitter. And Saquon, I mean, you don't get much faster than that at the shortstop spot. So I got these guys are probably going to hit like seven and eight in the lineup, but they could swipe a bag and play good defense. So I kind of had the same line of thinking, too, especially with second base, because I went running back. I want a guy with the quick hands out of the backfield, too, and can cover. So I went with Christian McCaffrey. I feel like he can get over. He can cover second. You could use him in the shift because he's so valuable there. So I went with Christian McCaffrey at second base. And then shortstop, I had to take Pat Mahomes. Eventually, you knew he Perfect. was going to be on this yep. list. No better arm in the NFL, probably. You can see him do it from every arm angle anyway. So having his defense at shortstop, I think, would just be a no-brainer. All right, third base. I had to get this guy on the rosters. Once again, I want a baseball team that bat flips nonstop. I also like the Carlos Gomez drop the bat when you walk. Just the slow <laughs> drop, which is... Probably going to get him hit eventually, but I think it's absolutely amazing. So Jamal Adams at the hot corner at third base, just because, once again, we're here to talk shit. He's probably going to be my two-hitter there because you know he's got the strength, the power hitter. I just think this is he's too good of an athlete to not have in this lineup. I like that pick, too. And I went with a more boring pick. Uh, I went with Russell Wilson. Obviously, he plays baseball. He's a second baseman in the Yankees organization sometimes. I think having him at third base, he's got the big hands. He's got a strong arm. So for me, that screams third base. All right, outfield across the board. Left field, Julio Jones. I wanted an athletic guy with tons and tons of range. I think he's got that. Center field, Christian McCaffrey, because I need someone 
that can literally be a coast-to-coast kind of player out there and probably my leadoff hitter with the kind of speed that he has that can really cover a lot of ground. Right field is where it gets interesting because you need a cannon in right field, and I needed to get back to an athletic quarterback, and I did not want to take Kyler Murray because he's not allowed to choose to play baseball ever again. So he's not on this lineup, and I know you're anti-Oklahoma uh, stance, Mello. There's no shot he's in yours. No way. <laughs> I went with Lamar Jackson in right field. He's Listen, just because he's not accurate right now, he's still got a strong arm, and he's got elite, elite speed out in that outfield to cover a lot of ground. So uh, that was my guy there. I have no idea where I'm going to play him in the lineup. I know if he gets on base, he could literally just Billy Hamilton every single base and steal all the bags. But I, I had to do some thinking at the quarterback spot to get my right fielder. Right, and I went all power, uh, at least at the corner outfield positions, because in left field and right field, too, I'm just going to get the two best guys at the edge. I'm going Von Miller and Khalil Mack. My team is just going to hit dingers all day. I didn't want to make it all about the quarterback, so I'm going to bring some power with left and right field. It's like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton back there. And then I'm going to get some speed at center field. I'm going Odell Beckham. This guy catches everything. He's got good speed. You can put... Probably going to hit him in the leadoff spot for my team here. So a lot of power in the outfield here with me. Odell is like that player that he could do any sport. Like he probably would have been an elite swimmer. We know he was right. a great soccer, soccer player. Yep. It's just ridiculous to think about the directions he could have gone. Finally, my DH, I got my, this is like my Adam Dunn, Dunn or Jim Tomey DH here. I went with Quentin Nelson. I know you have him at your catcher spot. I don't want him on the field, although if he played anything, it would probably have to be catcher. I just want him to be the four hitter or the five hitter, swing for the fences every single time, and if there's a brawl, get your ass out of the dugout and and stick up for your teammates. So Quentin Nelson is my big bopper in this lineup. Yeah, I like that one too, and I went with a big guy. For me, the DH position is all you have to do is show up and hit. And all That's Aaron it. Donald does is show up and hit people. So I'm going to put his <laughs> bat in my lineup, too. I got to get him on there. Plus, he would be an interesting DH because he can actually move. It's not, you know, big David Ortiz out there who can barely get to first base. Aaron Donald, you got to have him in your lineup. So for me, I went with DH. So we had some fun with this one. We want to hear your guys' lineups. You could tweet them at us, leave them in an iTunes review, uh, any way you want to get us your lineups. We'd love to hear them. I think this is something that we'll do a couple variations of over the summer, whether it is a... I, I think you guys have done... Have you done basketball lineups on Miked Up? Or my yeah, buddy? Yeah, we we did with actual basketball players. I okay. would like to do them, though, with yeah. our football. We keep this going. Yeah, basketball, we'll do it like that. Uh, I think the crossover sports stuff is an absolute blast, and uh, I'm sure you guys will have awesome recommendations of players we miss. So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get through a ton of your draft on draft questions. All right, Connor, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, I think. That's Draft on Draft, and we know we neglected it for a very long time, so we're bringing it back with two more segments here of Draft on Draft. Get your guys' opinions out here. Um, the thing that we're going to have to change is some of these usernames. I don't know what to call them. We're just going to have to start going with, like, put in your real first name. Zach Seegers here. Thoughts on Colorado quarterback Montez. Could he be a quarterback prospect that sneaks up on people? That's an interesting one. So I heard some love for him in the middle of last season because obviously uh, you hear so many different things of people on the road and you you could take it or leave it because I've heard really bad quarterbacks get love as well. When you look at Steven Montez at Colorado, I think people are excited about the potential arm talent. That's always the first thing that people look for. So uh, he's easily got a chance 
to climb up. And it's not like he had a bad season or anything like that. He's got the big body. That's one of those things that you, you really, when he's 6'5", 230, and you have the arm, he obviously chose to stay for a senior year. And I always say that really helps the quarterbacks in this process because when you get a chance to go throw at the senior bowl, and he, he'll be a senior bowl guy, I think, quite easily, to be honest with you. I think it's interesting for him. He has a ton of starting experience. I know when it comes down to it for me, I just think he, he's one of those players that chose this. You know, he obviously made the easy choice of staying and improving. And I think when it comes down to it, he can definitely be a player that takes some strides here. Yeah, I do too. And the one thing that I had a problem with is the fact that uh, our listener says sneaks up on. And I don't know if you can have LaVisca Shaynault, who you're throwing to all the time, exactly. and sneak exactly. up on anybody. Because people are going to be watching Shaynault already. So I think Montez is going to see his name start to climb up there too. You mentioned it already. 6'5", 230, uh, good arm, and he's also very athletic. So I think that he's going to start to get some mentions. I don't know if he's really going to sneak up on anybody uh, because everybody's going to be watching that receiver for sure the numbers might not jump out at anyone he's not one of these players in the system where he's throwing 40 touchdowns or constantly pushing the ball down the field where he has 300 yard games and a high uh, average per attempt but like you said Melo, when you have one of the top five wide receivers in college football and probably a top you know 20 prospect right now oh, for yeah. a lot of different people you're going to get noticed, and especially when you can take advantage of that senior bowl, work with the coaching staff. I think we've seen that pay off for a lot of people. I mean, Trace McSorley just got drafted, and I think a lot of that does help when you spend time with staffs at the senior bowl and get to show off your skill set. So, yeah, I'm with you all the way. I don't I don't think he'll sneak up, but I think he'll be in the conversation. This one from Jacob L. Schwartz. Who is a draft bust that you still believe would have slash could have succeeded in the NFL if he would have landed in a better situation. I, one for me is David Carr, and I know that he made some news this week, like we talked for about sure. on the Friday show, but he got his ass kicked. I think I believe they set a record <laughs> for number of sacks in a season his rookie year, and then after that, I really just don't think uh, there was any way he was going to succeed. All he could do was look at defenses and who was rushing him, so maybe you put him in a different situation. I think he could have at least been a better quarterback than what he was. Yeah, that's a really interesting one because you look at him, he just got his ass kicked. I mean, it's kind of as simple as that. I think, I mean, God, it's it's tricky. I mean, a lot of guys, like, I wasn't a Blake Bortles believer or an EJ Manuel believer. Those guys got overdrafted, obviously. A lot of people, you'll, this one will kind of make you laugh, Melo, but there's a lot of people out there that believe Geno Smith uh, got the raw end of the deal there, and he's still bouncing yep. around the league, but... I don't know if I'm a true believer in I, I that one. I think he got his fair chance. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't say that he was a bust. Uh, I'll tell you one more that's kind of hot takey, maybe, is Jamarcus Russell. Going first overall, I think that maybe yeah. n- even the team that he was with, I think, was okay. But I think if you get Jamarcus Russell drafted later in the first round, he comes in with a big chip on his shoulder with something to prove. Or maybe he falls to the second round. I think he went first overall, and that kind of signified I don't need to work at anything anymore in the NFL. I've already made it for him, and it didn't work. I mean, we saw him blimp up, gain a lot of weight, wasn't going to meetings, wasn't watching the tape. And I think if he were in a different situation, that was a lot of arm talent for a very big quarterback. I think one that was just really drafted at the wrong position it was Pat White and he wasn't an elite athlete I guess I mean he was a good athlete don't get me wrong a really good athlete like great short area kind of quickness but uh, he ran a 4-5-5 at the combine so people didn't think he had like the straight line burner receiver speed 
Once again, he had great short area quickness. I think in the league right now with these sub packages, there might have been a creative coach out there that could have found a way to get him on the field, whether it was in, I don't want to say a wildcat situation, but you know more in a you know slot receiver kind of role or a scat back kind of role. I know you know Pat White was certainly a bust as a second round pick that did not do anything in Miami. But in the, the day, it's just it's just interesting to see these all these position converts. Like look at Julian Edelman, for instance. Right. So it's it's tough. I mean, a lot of guys are bust because of themselves, but there are definitely the exceptions of of players that just did not land in the right situation for themselves. Yeah, I agree with that one. Next question here from Teflon Lawn. Who would you say are the top five most unanimously unanimously liked players in the NFL? Connor, i got to say it before you do. I think Quentin Williams has to be yeah. on this list. I, uh, he already is. There's not a player that I like more already. I love every time this guy speaks. Like I want to see the interview. I want to see. He needs his own reality TV show because I would watch that thing all day long. I'm with you as well. I mean, Quentin Williams has somehow already turned into that guy. I think a lot of people like Von Miller. He's fun. Yeah. He's you know he's just a he's a really like fun guy out on the field and off the field he's an interesting guy he's been so good for so long there's players that are so good they at least get respect like you don't have to always necessarily like them but I feel like a lot of people really like Von Miller I feel like a lot of people really like Quentin Nelson already yeah I, because I do just, too yeah right it, it might like be you, out of fear but <laughs> I, yeah. I think they definitely yeah. like him and they respect him too another guy i would bring up is drew Brees, who's been doing it forever i has anybody ever said like a bad thing about drew Brees since he signed with the saints i know the dolphins probably had some not nice things to say but i think since then uh, drew Brees has been very well liked and well respected in the nfl i would put saquon barkley on that list already i mean he's just like the definition of elite talent and class, yeah, and just shows up and goes to work and uh, and he's just an elite player on its in a system right now that is you know hasn't done him any favors yet. We'll see if they get better over there. But Saquon Barkley for me is a big one for sure. I feel like uh, nobody dislikes Julio Jones, right? Like I he's been the so. guy for so long. Maybe if you're Abe, like, like an nobody... SEC guy and you had to guard him and or he's dusted you a few times, you hate him. But other than that, I mean, he's pretty. Yeah. Really, for the receiver position and how good he is, he kind of keeps to himself. It's crazy. Like, look at all the elite receivers in the NFL. Like, there are people, and I'm not one of those, that hate Odell Beckham. Yeah. That despise hate Antonio Brown. Uh, Oh, Juju. Juju is one of the most liked players in the NFL. (laughs) Just not by Antonio Brown. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So maybe not unanimously uh, liked, but I think I would definitely put Juju on that list along with James Conner. Just everything he came back from. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it was really, really special. So that's a fun question. Uh, Next one from one of the craziest accounts we run across, STF the Ocho. Who would you choose for hard knocks and all or nothing? One NFL and one college team. So I'm glad that we see this account on here, too, because for the longest time, I didn't know if they were trolling us or if this was another fan type account. I think I can finally say that it's a fan account. So you guys should go follow them because they have some pretty funny stuff out there. Hilarious photoshops. Yeah. Uh, NFL team. I think you have to go with the most exciting personalities in one room. And that's the Cleveland Browns. Just bring it back. Let them do it in Cleveland again with Baker Mayfield. Now you have Jarvis Landry. You have Odell Beckham. I want to see how they rally around a guy like Freddie Kitchen, who is a personality of his own. Like, Let's just go back to Cleveland. Keep it there until you need or find another team because they're doing a damn good job there, and I want to see what it's like behind the scenes. 
This is a tough one because there's so many good options. Hard Knocks, I would go with either the Raiders or, and I'm not going to put factor into any of the rules here. I'm just going to take whoever I want. Right. The Raiders, because who the hell knows what that camp's going to be like with Gruden, all those young guys, AB, Carr kind of still fighting for his career there. And I'm not saying his career would be over if he's bad. He just, they'll move on from him if he doesn't have a great season, uh, it seems like. We'll see. But besides that, Aaron Rodgers with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. That dynamic is going to be, I mean, put a camera on those guys. But if I'm going all or nothing for the full season, it would have to be the Browns. I mean, holy personality yeah, across I, I the board. Yeah, I think so, too. I just I don't know that there's a better choice for either series. I think it has to be Cleveland. I, I really I want to see it. I hope that they do it. I don't, I don't know if they will two years in a row. As far as like an NCAA team on all or nothing, and it's going to sound like a homer pick, but I was like racking my brain here. Oh, oh, Alabama would be a good one. But I don't think Saban would let his guys do anything even no, remotely would close be so to buttoned up. Yeah, and I think Dabo is probably the same way. And I love Trevor Lawrence more than almost anybody on this earth. But I don't think he's going to bring a lot of excitement there. So I'm going to go no. with the homer pick. I think it's got to be the Texas Longhorns. You look at Tom Herman. He's <laughs> with the okay, cool, hook him text. Like he has a personality. He's going to talk to the media. Sam Ellinger fiery. coming into another year as a starter. I think he has a lot, a little bit more of a personality. He's fired off some some shots on Twitter. And one of the most famous alumni, Matthew McConaughey, you know he would come back for a series. You'd see his ass in the locker room a couple times. Yeah, get a mic on Caden Stearns. Oh, God, yeah. that defense next year. I mean, that would be dynamite. So, And you're right about Clemson. Like, sure, we'd love to hear from Travis Etienne, Justin Ross. I've been around uh, Trevor Lawrence at Army All-American practices. He is one of the nicest people on the planet, but he is your typical buttoned-up quarterback. Yeah. He is, uh, you know, a super professional, nice dude. Man, college. I would be very curious to see the dynamic between Ryan Day and Justin Fields yeah, at Ohio that's State. True. I I think that's a program that we'd love to see uh for you know for a all or nothing type series at Ohio State. I mean, they already did Michigan, so we're not going to do that one. We've seen it with you know FSU, Notre Dame kind of style, but yeah, I think that would be it for me. All right, we're going to take a break and then we're going to get to more draft on draft questions. We are back this next one from Waskow 4. Who could be a riser in the 2020 draft? Been watching Rondell Moore from Purdue. He looks like a really good player. And he is a really good player, but he is <laughs> true eligible. So- yeah, going to be a true sophomore. Not eligible. Uh, so I think he's going to be a guy definitely in the future, but maybe not right now. You talk about true sleepers, true, like a riser. Uh, that signifies like maybe somebody we don't know a whole lot about yet. So that's tough to do this early because it's like, who do I know that maybe somebody else doesn't know? So I'm going to give you a, a team to watch. I'm going to go with the members of the Utah defense. I think they have a lot of really good players, even though they lost some guys. They have Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman in the back, or sorry, in their secondary. Those two, uh, they can play corner. They can play even a little bit of safety. I'm keeping an eye on them. And then on the defensive line, they have an edge rusher and a defensive tackle who I'm not even going to try to say either one of their names because I didn't have time to look it up. But those two are both <laughs> maybe at the top of their position group and could be risers that we don't really know about yet. Back to his Rondell Moore point, how insane is it that as a true freshman, he had 135 touches for almost 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns? Yeah, I... that 
I really like That's him. Insane. I think he's going to be a special player. Even though he is kind of small, I don't think the NFL cares about that anymore. His short area quickness, his ability as a receiver, you can use him in jet sweeps. You can use him kick returner, punt returner. He's going to be very good. I'm excited to watch him in his sophomore year. And I remember him, that video, viral video of him squatting 600 pounds. Right. When he weighs like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, ridiculous. what the fuck? 175. 5'9", 175. Dude, that is freakish. Freakish strength. Man, he's going to be like, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. I definitely am. But he's going to be one of those guys that going into the combine. You're talking about record-shattering potential. Oh, yeah. Every every drill that they do. He's going to be must must-watch. I say this on every show, but the guy I hope is a riser in the 2020 draft is Jacob Eason. I just really, I always want there to be good quarterbacks. That's the most important thing. He hasn't played in a while, and he's on a good team. Yeah. So I hope it's, and I think the casual college football fan, or a lot of listeners of this show are NFL fans that now know the college game and, and love the draft. I think it's always fun when you get guys like that, where it's like, okay, well, we didn't see him last year, but now he's a star. Yep. All right, uh, Jake T. Johnson, 33. You guys have mentioned in the show that teams are already doing work for the 2020 and 2021 drafts. With that said, who are some underclassmen other than Lawrence that NFL teams or you guys are excited to see come out in 2021 or even 2022? A personal favorite for me is Rondell Moore from Purdue. <laughs> yes. Ooh, we got the Rondell Moore fan club cooking today. Right. In 2021, Rondell Moore will definitely be on that list. Uh, since I can't use Trevor Lawrence, uh, you could go the easy route and say like Justin, <laughs> Justin Ross. Ross. Obviously, uh, one of my favorite players that was a freshman last year was actually Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. I loved watching him play. For me, he was like Minka Fitzpatrick all over again. So get him and Caden Stearns are two of my favorite members of the secondary that are going to be in that 2021 draft class. Yeah, and you know he's got the bloodlines there. I think right. he'll be a pretty good pro, just saying. I mean, for me, Justin Fields is somebody that I'm already looking ahead to where you're sitting there saying, are we going to have our next uh, Jameis Mariota draft where these guys go one and two? And I know those picks haven't gone the way those franchises have hoped in terms of being star quarterbacks. But when you're looking at Lawrence and Fields, you're sitting there going, okay, I mean, it feels like Trevor Lawrence is already the number one pick in that class. But if Mm -hmm. you get a second guy that has star traits and potential, you're sitting there going, okay, that's exciting stuff when you get the, you know, Wentz and Goff. Yeah. One and two kind of quarterback. It it is very early, but still, you look at both of those guys and the way they played last year. I I think Trevor Lawrence, it's going to be very hard to dethrone him from being the first pick in that draft. But Justin Field, in most years and in a normal draft class, he would easily be quarterback one. Nick Rodriguez, 22. As a Longhorn fan, as Longhorn fans, how do you see Sam stacking up in next year's quarterback class? Or will he stay for four years? This is all you, Mello. So I don't know if I've ever said this before, but I'm actually very pessimistic on Longhorns that enter the draft. I've never, I don't think I've ever been high on them since uh, like the Vince Young days. So for me, if Sam Ellinger were to come out next year, and we're going to say this for right now, I think he'd be the fifth quarterback in that class, and that's at the like peak. The highest he's going to be is the fifth quarterback because I still think you know all the other guys are going to be in front of him. And I think that pushes him to the second round or maybe even the third round. He did a very good job of taking care of the football last year, uh, but I think there's still a lot of questions around his arm talent. We know that he can run the football. We know he's a good leader. 
Uh, he took care of it, but I still think there's a lot of questions about, you know, he threw the ball up to Humphreys and Colin Johnson, and they made a lot of good plays for him. So I think that he's going to come back, and he's going to be a senior bowl-type quarterback. So I don't think we'll be talking about him in 2020. At least I hope not, because I really want him to come back for a senior year. I'm with you. He seems like a four-year quarterback. He, we know how much he loved that program as a little kid with the uh, I want to be Chris Sims video or yeah. whatever it was. And, and I mean, he's somebody that doesn't have to rush. You don't have to leave. Like You don't have to leave for anything. It goes back to the Steven Montez discussion where you're sitting there going, go through the process. Get, go to the scene. You know, hopefully uh, lead Texas to a conference championship and, and then go through the process of uh, the Senior Bowl and get the extra time establishing your draft stock. So I think for Longhorn fans, that's actually something to be really optimistic about, as well as the fact that his guy, like you said, Melo Colin Johnson, is back this year. I think that's the guy everybody's going to be have their eyes on right away this year. Yeah, I wish he had his teammate LeJordan Humphrey coming back too, but he decided to come out early and went undrafted. Yeah, not the not the best choice there, and can't say that we're really shocked. Colin Johnson was... I thought he would have been like a second-round pick if he went in this draft. Maybe third with some of the receivers that fell, especially we saw Hakeem Butler fall. But right. I thought he was a top-100 kind of guy. Yeah, I did too. I, he really reminds me of like Hakeem Butler. They're pretty much the same receiver. Yeah. So I, I was happy to see him return. I think he'll be probably in that second round. It's going to be a very good receiver class, obviously. We've been saying it. It seems like every show for a very long time, so it's going to be hard to get in that first round, uh, but he's still going to be probably a top 100 player next year. Our final question from our guy Richard Royal, RR, which 2020 draft eligible player has underperformed in college but could make it as a pro? For me, I went with Jalen Phillips. He was a guy that was the number one recruit in the entire nation a couple years ago, went to UCLA, and then he ran into a lot of injury problems. I think he had like an ankle problem, a wrist problem, and then a a few concussions, so we never really saw him on the field. He's going to transfer to Miami because that's what everybody does now, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him healthy on the field. I hope he can get it together because he did look like a very special talent coming out, and the little bit of time we saw him at UCLA, he was very good on the field, so I think maybe a change of scenery, getting healthy, he could get back into that you know round one edge-type player discussion. He really can. I mean, we saw some special stuff at times at UCLA, but there was all kinds of problems clearly going on there where he never established himself as the superstar expectations. You know, we were really hoping to. I think one that's recently in the news, so it's a good time to bring it up here uh, for me, is DeAndre Francois. I mean, oh. it feels like he's been around forever now. He's he's 22, so he's not super, super old, but he's transferring to FAU you know, he was a legitimate prospect at one point in time. He got battered at Florida State. I mean, yeah. good God. I, he just got put into the turf constantly. And uh, that guy at FAU knows how to use offensive players. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a little crazy. But I think you're right, too. And with Francois, I really liked him after, I think it was his sophomore year. And then he comes and he tears his ACL against Alabama. And then, like you said, he got the shit kicked out of him the next year. He really so did. if he can get his act together off the field, I, I would love to see what he can do on the field. I remember when I was sitting in the press box at the Miami-Florida State game, they sat me with all like the Florida State employees and they were just like, they they liked Francois, but they didn't understand that, like, you're going to get, they were, like, frustrated with his body language at times. And I'm like, the guy is getting his ass kicked as soon as he catches the snap out of the shotgun. Yeah. 
and you're upset that he's fucking sitting on the ground pissed off? Like, I mean, good God. So hopefully he gets healthy. Uh, you know, we'll see if he bounces back. And, you know, there's obviously been some, I believe, allegations against him, which are, of course, very concerning. We don't really get into those too much until we, we know more of the reports. So it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out, but he's definitely been a underperformer out of these prospects, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So, Melo, that is our show, dude, on this very, very happy Memorial Day. Yeah, and hopefully all of our listeners, you're being responsible on your Memorial Day. Don't do anything stupid. We need you to come back and listen to the show on Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> and the good thing is you could be as hungover as you want and listen to the show from bed. So if you want to go out... <laughs> Uh, drink double digi G and T's like I did at a wedding this weekend. You can do that if you want to just stay sober and get a nice tan. You could do that as well. But that is our show. We will be back Wednesday morning. Maybe Matt's vacations will end. Although good for him for taking some much needed time off. I will be doing the same. Mello, hopefully you will be doing the same as well. I, and we will catch you guys. Oh, go ahead, Mello. I, I got to try to plan some vacay days in there somehow. I know that everybody says, oh, the teacher life, you get all summer off. But I already have so many different trainings that I have to go to. I'm going to have to plan out some vacay days for myself. Yeah, I feel like that's a myth, by the way. It is such a like, myth. <laughs> like, all my friends that are teachers do not have any time during the summer. It's ridiculous. So, like, part of getting my degree in education was like, oh, okay, well, I know they say you get summers off, but everybody always talks about you don't really get summers off, but it's still got to be nice. And it is nice. I'm not working, like, five days a week, but I'm still going in, at, like, three days a week. I'll have to do something for school, and it's it's not a real summer off. You can't plan to go on many vacations so it it doesn't really work out it's not a summer off uh eight to three is even it's an even bigger myth but we don't have to get into that and that folks is why we celebrate teacher appreciation week so all right everyone have a good one have a safe one we'll talk to you wednesday 